They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole. Get we found. ready. It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Raffalos. Like it says, boom, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome down the security rabbit hole to yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. This is a fun one, as I say often, but um, having just come back from uh, seeing Mission Impossible, the latest one, this is going to be a great episode, y'all. All All right, I'm going to go around the corner, around the 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 square here it's like the brady bunch or maybe celebrity squares i don't know and to introduce everybody you guys know james james say hi hey how's it going good awesome awesome all right and then uh two guys i used to work with that uh that uh are gonna be fun for this conversation we'll start in the uh, celebrity top right hand corner mr james robinson howdy hey how's it going and james every time we get on these calls i think we uh step on each other so we'll try to I know. try to do a better job this time <laughs> a lot of jays on here too today so this oh, is gonna be gosh, interesting we yeah we're, we're full of jays <laughs> and of course last but not least the one and only uh mr jason clark how are you jason very good happy to be here you see Super you seem fantastic. thrilled and excited that can you guys just see how how excited jason <laughs> I think it's uh, all right. I am. Uh, I'm still recovering. I went to. I was at. I went to the Snoop Dogg concert. And, uh, oh, jeez. I'm still recovering. Yeah, yeah. Can't, <laughs> your eyes aren't bloodshot anymore, so that's good. And that, actually, James is. James Robinson's at my house right yeah. now, so he's in. He's in a guest bedroom in the basement. Um, <laughs> and he was driving over here, um, to do some work. You know, because because we have a big office here in St. Louis. Um, and he was bringing his kids with him, and and uh, they broke down on the side of the road. So then Ashley had to drive, drive to go get them. Um, and so, yeah, his whole family's here right yep. now. Wow. Well, my, uh, my, wife, my wife felt like she was missing out. So then she drove over. So that's awesome. That's, that's yeah, pretty fantastic. Yeah. Transmission went out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. So guys, I, as I said at the top of the show, I, I just, uh, I just saw the new mission impossible, uh, and I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about generative AI after seeing that movie. By the way, who's seen it? You guys seen it? Nope, no? no. No. Okay. So Love spoiler it. alert, generative AI is the bad guy in this one, in his two-parter. Uh, and it is not like it's not and it's not like a chat GPT. This has become a sentient overlord that can hack into anything and be unseen. And manipulate all the information in the world, you know, make uh, cameras not see people, uh, reroute nuclear submarines, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, so, so it's like, I'm, so I'm it's looking, like three letter agencies we have currently in our, but but all in one <laughs> tiny little piece of code. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start off with this. You, there's a lot of there is a an insane amount of uh, hype on generative AI and what it means uh, it, right now, but. Uh, 
in the corporate environment, uh, I'm going to go start with you guys and I'll just pitch it to you and see what you think. What's the reality, the ground truth versus like how much of this is just hype? I'll either, either James or Jason pick it up. Not both at the same time. Um, I'll start. <clears throat> I'll start. And, um, you know, James has talked a lot about AI on a number of different things. He's going to have a, you know, he'll, he'll do, I'm going to defer to him a lot here because uh, he's just spent a lot of time, you know, talking to, to journalists and, you know, on stage, et cetera. But uh, I, I definitely, me personally, um, in general, I believe it's, it's the probably the most significant thing that's happening and going to happen in tech um, ever. Now, okay. it, it, I, I look at it equal to and greater than, I mean, essentially the internet, right, which enables it. And, uh, you know, but we're kind of at the, like the BBS, like, you know, 20, was it, was it 2,800 baht or 2,400 baht? I don't even remember anymore. 2,800. Um, but 14, like, 4, you know, we're like in the dial up. We're, we're AOL stage right now and BBS, maybe somewhere between that. Like it's very, very basic okay. where we're at compared to where it's going to be. Um, but I believe strongly it's going to be significant impact to our lives more than anything else has in our kids' lives, uh, you know, but it, but how fast is the big question. And there's a big debate in every conversation I'm in, you are, you know, have how much good versus how much bad. Mm. Yep. Robinson thoughts. Uh, I think it's a big deal. I think it's, a, it's definitely a big deal. I think, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it, it's a tough thing. I think that the generative AI is is an evolution on top of uh, all the ML and all the work that we've been doing, honestly, as as you know, in in all various industries. And now the difference is that now my mom asked me about it, and now my mother in law is asking me about it. And oh yeah, by the way, I logged into uh, ChatGPT and I did this, or I saw this on uh, MSN, or I saw this on here. Right. And so now it's also just that it's readily available. The technology is available to anybody who wants to use it. And I think that we've seen this before is the big thing. Um, so in some cases, you know, in the conversations I'm having, uh, some of the case, some of the cases are, well, well, how's this any different? And then other cases are like, oh my gosh, this just showed up at my front door and I don't know what to do with it. Um, and I think that uh, like the industry's kind of split, but I think it's a big deal. I think that I think there's a lot of positive and a lot of benefit, um, you know, that, that can come from uh, using technologies like generative AI or AI and ML. Um, and I think that we've seen that. I think the reason why we're able to scale today in security is because of ML and, and a lot of the data sciences that we've all been investing in and using. But there is a lot of risk with it. Um, and we can draw parallels. Most of the conversations for everyone that I'm having discussion with it's it's all drawing parallels because uh history really uh you know is brand new it always repeats itself um we've learned that through history and uh yeah. you know it's like the first time when it was like oh we're gonna have a vpn oh my gosh we're releasing our corporate network to the internet oh we're gonna have a website raft that was the first time you and i met was web you know web yeah. app hack right it's like oh my gosh sql injection <clears throat> a long time ago long time ago <laughs> sql injection game game over no one can build a secure website, right? And you can just steal all the information, data, and everything out of it. And and yeah. you know, I think it's been 
we take it as as an industry. Yeah, it's interesting. The it's interesting the parallel you draw though of you know just like you know my grandma's looking at this stuff. Like, when's the last time we had something technology wise like that? That you know, just anybody like not you know. I mean, right. I had my son come in at 11 years old and say, hey, I want to build a Minecraft game using ChatGPT. Like, what are you I got talking one for you. about? It was, it was Google. It was Google. The last time when it just became readily available and, and, and there was both good and bad was when someone could go to Google.com and look up anything they wanted. And you could do Google dorking and Google hacking and you could get in and you could find all this information that was shared that should have been shared and, and all these different things. And you can do really cool stuff, all passive analysis and passive attacks. And oh, yeah, by the way, you know, you had just anyone could use it. And then they were also selling it to corporate environments. Sound familiar? Chad GPT yeah, selling yeah. it to corporate environments. <laughs> right? Like it's yeah. the same parallels. It's the same parallels. Yeah, yeah. OK, maybe. But and I'm with you guys, right? The, the I think Jason, I think I'm, I'm probably closer to, to what you were saying is this is, this is potentially now. Uh, I think that what we're seeing now is generative AI isn't developing anything new. It's taking uh, massive amounts of data and essentially reorganizing and regurgitating a lot of what we know, which is great. Like it's the, I heard a g- good podcast uh, a while back from, I think uh, somebody who had Andrew Andreessen Horowitz or one of those folks, that we're talking about like what we can expect in, in the coming couple of years. And they said, you know, the, the AI that we're going to see is going to be doing things like um, main, helping us maintain calendars better because things that we do that are repetitive, right? Cause it's a pain scheduling five people's calendars, like getting all of us on the same call like this. It's not simple, but Hey, saying, Hey, you know, chat gpt find us a time the next available one hour slot between our four us four and boom it happens right so essentially helping our lives be more automated be more mechanized we're going to stop doing some things that we are finding as a pain in the butt right now that we have to do the leap i'm concerned about right and and all joking aside uh and, and bad movie references but I, I am concerned about getting to that point where in the military applications, AI starts to make AI an algorithm, gets to make decisions about like who gets the bullet and uh, where the where the rockets get launched. And, and, and human interactions of that, we're talking about self-driving cars. You guys remember that uh, – was it Stanford that did that? Jason, I think you sent it to me a million years ago. It was a website you could go to and it put, says, okay – uh, it would ask you like 10 questions. There's like a grandmother, a fat person, a skinny person, an old person, a young person. And there's a crosswalk and there's a car. And there's people in the car and there's people on the crosswalk. And you had to decide like who effectively dies, right? Like does the computer drive into the wall and kill the people in the car or in the crosswalk? And it turns out human biases are, well, human biases. We value the young over the old, the skinny over the fat, like all these typical things that we try to right. put out of our memories. And, out and of if our you're the car, happens, right? And you're the car company, you probably want to make the decision that's the least liable for them where they're well, least but that's likely the to get thing. sued. But that's the thing. It's going to require, when you get to this point, it requires us all to... Uh, when an algorithm takes over, we all have to, as a society, agree on the value of life and decisions to make in certain cases when it gets kind of the extreme fringes. I'm not sure I'm ready to to put that into an algorithm yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, – so I 
you might, might might have seen this podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts. It's um not the show in general, but this episode. Uh, Joe Rogan and Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. And it's an episode where you know they're. I think they had like five five glasses of whiskey, and then um, then for the first time, Elon smoked a joint on you know live air. <laughs> it was getting texted by his PR group and like, okay, what? Like, dude, you're a public company CEO. Like, what are you doing smoking a joint? He's like, what's well, legal? Like, don't invest in my stock. I don't care. Right. Um, and, and at the, you know, after those, you know, those two things by, uh, you know, being buzzed and high at the same time, then they, then Joe asked him a question said, when do you think we'll be cyborgs? And Elon goes, well, we already are. And, it's like, oh, that was a moment in my mind. Like, what? What do you mean? And he goes, look, the, the difference is just information and what you do with that information. And he basically said, so your parents had to go to the library and read an encyclopedia that was like 10 days dated of any information they wanted. And they relied on the news. And now you just look at your phone and you can find out almost anything and you can calculate almost anything. And the difference of you being a cyborg versus not is purely the speed at which it enters your brain, which is your eyes and your ears. And the moment that that thing can either be your brain and make decisions for you, which is what you're worried about, or you put a chip in your brain, which they're already doing. Yeah, um, that also scares the hell out of me. where, Where the information goes into your brain faster for you to make a decision or maybe it's but the problem is is so 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 he, his point was you're already becoming a cyborg because you already have this digital thing that's connected to you 24 7 that's feeding you information into your brain and it's just the speed at which it can go in and and the decisions you make and so you know that's really interesting and and so i think the big to me the biggest number one issue today is bias yeah yeah, and, and now we're look so to, to kind of pivot this into into a, a direction where I think our listeners are going to really get get uh, thinking here is as you start to drive these different technologies that that uh, that the ability to have these generative AI uh, produce uh, whether it's writing software, creating uh, marketing content, whatever. We're handing off intellectual property potentially into a computer algorithm. There's, there are so many implications there, right? This is not as simple as like the obvious implications here for me are, you know, as soon as somebody started, uh, as soon as ChatGPT fired up, people were feeding it corporate secrets, not realizing that those secrets go back into the model and somebody can get later. That. That's a like, a, oh, wait, hold on. How do I get that out? You don't. It's there forever, right? Um, it's in the model until the model gets destroyed. And there are implications here from the corporate side of things. Like how much can you trust something that is an algorithm that you don't have full control of in-house on your own systems where you can nuke it if you need to? Like th- this is this is sort of the, the – techno philosophical part of this right where it crosses into legal it crosses into business strategy and crosses into cyber how do you guys see that because you guys tend to as a as a day job you guys work on safeguarding the exfiltration 
of critical information from companies. When I bet there's a hundred employees of in any company right now doing so without even thinking about it. Yep. And there are, there are, um, labs, our, our labs team has been doing research on it and, uh, you know, has, has some, uh, stuff that's coming out that that's, uh, just exactly that on average. Um, so you can, you know, and this is, I think we're also at a critical moment. Um, I remember when ransomware was just starting to pick up and everyone was saying, Oh my gosh, what's this thing of ransomware? And no one was taking action. They were right. just like watching, monitoring, standing on the sideline. Um, but the, there's intelligence, there's data, there's things that are coming out, reports that you can use to take back to your organization and help them make decisions. Um, but that is the case. People are uploading data, they're sharing data, they're pushing data to to these things. And it's not just like, hey, I want to send a better email response. So let me just load the email in and ask for a better email response. Um, you know, it, it is actual intellectual property. It's source code um, and those different those those different types of uh, intellectual property that, that people are trying to protect and put a lot of controls and a lot of money in. And then it's just someone, you know, sharing it out. Well, so so what so like what happens? Obviously, we want to protect. I'm going to get to how we're going to do this in a second. But what happens when and this is just, a I guess, guess a legal IP question. So you've got some source code, your developer, it's proprietary algorithm for something. Maybe it's a formulation for a drug or something, right? And one of your employees drops it into chat GPT to try to get an answer on something. Hey, what's wrong with this source code? And suddenly it becomes part of, is it public domain? Is it now owned by the AI company? Like what happens there? And, and, and if I use it, am I somehow committing yeah. theft, fraud? Like what's, what? those are some yeah, really yeah. interesting questions. Jason, have you guys yeah. thought about that? There's, um, there's no, in the U.S., there's no legal precedent yet. Yet. Um, and yep. so so that code is yours, but the model is built off that code right. to help other people build code is today not. There's no, you know, I mean, it's like you can use the music industry where, you know, there's being music created based off of models of other music. Um, the You know, so th- th- that's, you know, there's a bunch of lawsuits happening right now. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, the FTC is definitely jumping in. Um, they are doing an investigation on open AI, um, after the, the Wimbledon thing happened. And it's really kind of more towards privacy and bias. Yeah. Right. The privacy of people and the, and the bias because, uh, you know, it, it, it giving opinions on something that's not real or the hallucinations is kind of a, that's the scary thing for that they're investigating right now. But to, to, you know, to answer your question, I'm going to start with. So you're, you're one of these entities, right? You're, you're, imagine, Raph, you're, 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 um, this is you. Like your your job is to be a Gen AI. Um, what, what's your currency? It's data. Yeah. Right. So you want to find a way to ingest. You're like the Borg. You want all the information in the world you can get. Well, you've got the stuff on the internet. That's easy. Okay. Now. You want to ingest the information that's sitting in all these companies, right? Because once you have that information, is however you get it, you can then start to build the models and you have, that's your currency. And now all of a sudden you're smarter than anything in the world and you can, you can outcompete anything in the world. And second, then you add the ability to communicate in language 
which is how that's the difference between that's one of the massive differences between us and animals, yeah. right? All of and and how people are controlled. Yeah. All of a sudden, you combine those two things together. That's where it gets really interesting. So you have this thing that wants to yes make our lives better, but in the end, it's currencies data and it wants to ingest as much of it as possible, make it easy to do that. So, um, so anyways, to to answer, you know, I think that's it's a it's a it's a very real privacy issue that we're dealing with on. So people, so the question is, is, is people are then setting up their personal instances, right? One, you shouldn't be sharing anything that you don't want out there. Um, that's, that should be kept private at all because it's going to get models will get built off of it. What I, what we don't yet understand is if you have your own instances where you're being told because of an enterprise agreement that your stuff is separate yeah. and there's only models built there, yeah. but it's not shared. Will that always be the case? And is that 100% true? Yeah, that's the question that I was thinking about. You know, you you sit inside the enterprise, right? And it's like, oh, well, Microsoft has their own stuff. And, you know, if you want Teams premium or you want this, you know, it's got this stuff built in. So now in the enterprise world, you don't just have ChatGPT. Like nobody's using ChatGPT directly. They're using all these different software components that are built off of similar technologies with their own backends. You know, and it's yeah. that's the question, right? People are like, okay, well, is this our own instance? Is we don't want our stuff being fed into everybody else's thing? You know, now you're starting to track, you know, 20, 30 different tools that are doing something that originally started as one tool doing it. Well, here's the Robson, I know you're gonna say something, but I'm gonna throw this in real quick. What I find interesting, Jason, you said, you know, data is the currency, knowledge is the currency. And having, I'm going to take it one step further, having the ability to manipulate people, thought, markets, and, and, and knowledge production based on, in, uh, on input and output into this mathematical model, AI, makes it interesting because as we've seen, you can, somebody did a research paper on the fact that you can manipulate the, if you feed it enough information, you can manipulate the way it, uh, it creates output, right? So you can, and, and we've seen uh, citations done. Uh, There's an article a while back that said, so they were doing research in ChatGPT and they were finding really weird citations from sci- from like some scientific journal. They went back, it didn't exist. It just made it up based on some calculation of how citations were used in a someplace else that looked approximate and blah, blah, blah. By the way, I've experienced that. I've experienced it making stuff up. We, we, we use it to plan our vacations um, and I will see it make things up. And it's so it's, 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 that's crazy. Right. So now, now like the plot of the, the, of the next, of, of the, of the next great spy techno spy movie is written right now. Somebody t- hijacks OpenAI or one of these services based off of generative AI and starts to really mess with people's lives or corporations or God only knows financial forecasts, you know, financial markets, whatever. I- I'm a little concerned. Robinson, you're going to say something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the concern is there, but we're still so early on. I think it's the time for us to make that to make that adjustment. Honestly, like the the amount of data that's being shared, yes, with the models and with the services is huge. But in some cases, if you take like take you know ChatGPT, OpenAI, and their partnership with Microsoft versus Google Bard, 
and Google already has so much of the data, right? That was the whole position when they even looked at ChatGPT early on was, well, ChatGPT, a lot of the data that it was fed came from Google, right? It came from you know, what Google had already created and already had. So, and so then you start looking at that and saying, well, the information's always there. How do we start to steer that and put the, put the correct guardrails in place? Um, and then yeah. when you get into the geopolitical side, it, it's a whole, it's a whole different mess, right? Um, but if you if you just take yeah. in the U.S. and what we can influence in the U.S. and in Europe and 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 such, um, I think that there's guardrails that we can we can definitely put in place. There's frameworks that exist. Um, it's amazing. A couple of years ago, we started to look at a, a model that was published by KPMG. Um, you know, it was a white paper that was online. You can still find it. Um, and it was a controls matrix that essentially they mapped and then they mapped that back, uh, you know, into some common controls. We started to govern ourselves with that. Um, and then we started to pivot into, uh, now we're, we're modernizing it since, uh, the NIST AI, uh, RMF, uh, framework is, is out or, um, risk management framework is out, you know, and so we're starting to pivot to that so we can have our own guardrails that same level, um, at a, at a national level that same level as it relates to a company. It's not just about like, what are your controls that you have in place for access management, but then you get into like bias, like Jason was talking about. How do you, how do you govern? How much bias? My bias is okay, but your bias isn't. Is that okay? I don't know. How much bias is okay, right? If you can never remove bias, then how much bias is okay? I love James that you're actually saying, you know, we need to focus on governing this, but like, if we look at, most of like, I probably, I don't even know how much of Congress even understands tech. And this is like a whole, this is like a hundred X level. Right. So that's, that kind of gets really scary. I mean, I bet you there's a bunch of them that don't even like check their own. I was going to say, I hate to sound ageist, but I'm assuming, you know, some of these folks that are in their eighties and nineties aren't exactly up on the latest and greatest tech, which is what scares the hell out of me because who makes the rules then the lobbyists and who are the lobbyists? Well, I was flipping through the channels and I'll admit, I don't know why or how, but I was flipping through channels and I landed on, it was like C-SPAN or something. And Oh God. Yeah. And they actually were doing, it was a year plus ago and they were actually doing a congressional hearing on this path and they, it was actually legitimate. Some of the things actually that they were talking about and trying to put in place were like, oh, that's, that's pretty damn good. Honestly, I I was right. The people speaking, the people there probably were legit. The people asking the questions were just fed questions by, you know, but still that's, their 20-year-old interns. Yeah, probably. I, just, I assume that. I assume. Um, that's actually, by the way, that's my biggest concern about the bias is that the majority of the training are 20-something-year-olds sitting in San Francisco. And that does not represent the, global population. the rest of the world at all. Not even U.S., yeah. right? Um, and, and so this, I highly recommend Has any of you, have any of you seen black mirror Joan is awful. Uh, I've seen a bunch of, I don't know if I've seen that one. Okay. You would know you have to watch okay, it. Okay. Everybody called? should watch it. Okay. Netflix, black mirror, yeah. Joan is awful. And what it is, is it basically says you signed up for Netflix and you downloaded the app on your, on your phone. Okay. And part of the user agreement, when you download it, you didn't realize you accepted this. It is that it can listen to you all the time. Okay. And it's allowed to have video on. And so all of a sudden this thing's with you. Well, what, as soon as you become a subscriber, like it gives you them the right to build a movie 
or TV show based on your life. Uh, so this person's like, wait a minute, watches the TV show. And it's like, that's my life. What the heck's going on? Like I said all that stuff. Exactly. It's just somebody that looks a little different than me, but this is my life. And it, and it, it's just kind of crazy. And then she tries to sue and they're like, no, but you signed the use agreement. Well, the funny thing is the actor wasn't a real actor either. That actor is like, wait a minute, that's, that's me. Why am I being, you know, and, and it's like, oh, because you signed the user agreement. We're allowed to use your likeliness. I'm, it's a really fun show. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah. I think I, I think we've done – I think South Park did the best uh, episode ever on people that never read the EULA, which is like all of us. Um, yeah. But that's when terrifying. It, when it comes to controls though, I mean it's one thing to sit here. Like this, this feels like the software development life cycle of, hey, before you start building, we should implement some controls. We know better. We've been through this before. And then nobody ever does it. And at the rate at which everybody's jumping on AI, like the generative AI and all the stuff that's coming out, it's the, I'm going to be there first because the first one there is going to be the one that's going to capitalize on this. How fast are we going to blaze past any type of controls that just like everything else in technology, controls will be starting to be implemented about a decade behind and then we'll be a century behind actually having a majority of people implementing those, right? Like, it's easy to say, hey, we, we should have some controls and we should start talking about this. But by the time we get that first meeting, 30 companies have already pushed out pretty advanced solutions that aren't going to follow that stuff. And then to get people to end yeah. then start, you know what I mean? Like, how do you stop the presses and say, no, we have to do this versus... So I'll say something really short, James. I want to hand it to you on this. That that the major what we see is, um, thirty percent of people at a large enterprise are saying just block, except for maybe a few people. So they think on or off, either allow it or don't. And a few people get to have it. The ones that are trying to enable the business and code against this, and, uh, and so there's there's not a lot of inspection outside on or off. The, and then the, another massive, the rest of the massive group. Um, is just saying, just not doing anything. They're like, oh, that's kind of crazy. Should we block it all? No, there's some people that want it. They're just not. And then there is a small segment that's growing. That's like, no, but fine, enable it. It's important for a business, but let's, let's prompt those people. Let's inspect the data. Let's understand and protect them from doing something dumb. Right. So James, like maybe you can talk a little bit about what like what we're doing even personally. Yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 it is multiple parts. One, um, I think most folks are missing out on the opportunity to educate and communicate back. This is a great chance for you to say, Hey, remember we have secrets. We have intellectual property that all of us are invested in creating and maintaining and delivering to our customers. And yes, there is a huge opportunity here and we need to, uh, position ourselves with buying power. Buying power is it. I'll, I'll throw something out there. Um, how many, trivia, how many times do you think we've been asked about our governance and controls for our own use of ML and AI inside of our product sets? Raf, few. James, thoughts? Few. Zero. Two, actually. Two times. Two times in the last... Uh, six months since the beginning of the year as uh, Chad GPT started taking off and by very mature programs, financial services actually um, have asked us, which Makes then sense. in turn made us reflect and say, we should probably be asking a little bit more. So now we ask also as we're getting into vendor contracts and, and relationships. Now our question is the assumption of 
should we just assume everyone is going to be leveraging this technology inside of their services they offer us, which is where I'm leaning towards. And then you get into the framework or do we need to do the inventory? Because if you actually follow it, everyone says you should inventory where AI is being used and how that you know is delivered in your services. Um, but I, I say just assume everyone is going to be leveraging this technology um, because all of us have been leveraging products that have data sciences in the back end of them. Let's just be honest. Right. And so it's just how much and how do you govern it? Um, but then also on kind of the flip side. So you take that opportunity, you educate, you learn from it, you start to position yourself. You know, redu- again, going back to some of the basics, reduce your tax surface. Not everyone needs to have access. Understand where is it being leveraged? Do the education, understand why people are using it, and then start blocking and make sure that you have protections for your critical data. The one things that you that you really are worried about um, in a couple of programs that Jason and I worked uh, worked together on. Um, you know how we measured uh, what we needed to protect when we're moving into the organization. First, first question: What could hurt us? What could kill us? Take the things that can kill you. Make sure you have tight protections around them. Things that can hurt you, you'll get to them later. Right. Because then at least, you know, I have these protections in place. What could hurt you? What could kill you? Same scenario plays out. Reduce the attack surface. Understand the channels. What could hurt you? What could kill you? Protect what could kill you. And then start to move towards education to protect the stuff that could hurt you. And then you're going to have fallout. And that's why we build programs that both, you know, prevent things from happening, but then also respond when shit does go bad. Now you're basically mapping it into your framework and what you're doing. And you also have vendor governance and control in there because you have buying power. So, you know, I, I think it's on all of us as as leaders and program, you know, program managers to push more. But I mean, I'm surprised that we've only had two inbound. Honestly, I, I yeah, you know, and yeah. and once once Me we too. had those inbound questions, what was funny is the the um, chairperson for our AI governance committee said, "Oh, this shit's blowing up." Um, let's get you better answers and let's actually revisit the governance committee and, and, uh, um, make sure that all the controls are in place because I don't want to be answering these myself, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. cause we just, we just let the business feel it. That's fair. We're like, Hey, guess what? We got another inbound question and this seems very, very detailed. Right. And, and so we actually drove it and drove it out that way. And then we got buy-in, we got business buy-in because also at the same time, it was coming inbound for people who were buying our products and services. So it supports revenue. We all want to be part of the business. Yeah. Then be part of the business. Support the revenue. Yeah. Oh, yep. All right. Well, I, I'm going to give you guys, I, I got a minute. So let's figure out um, in, 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 so 30 seconds each uh, to, to Jason and James, what's the, what's the next three years going to bring Jason? 30 seconds. Um, I think there will definitely be some, Holy shit moments. <laughs> and, uh, and that's going to wake up everybody. And it, from, I, and I do believe it's, it's going to be where decisions, bad decisions get made because of them relying on a response that they're getting and, 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 you know, significant bias. I think we're definitely going to see a lot more policy. And third, like the holy shit moment is going to be at the enterprise level. There's going to be something where something gets stolen um, and gets exposed and gets used against you by your competition. And then you don't even know what to do about it. And then every organization out there is going to start to try and figure out how to, they know that they have to enable this, but secure it. And how do you do both at the same time? Robinson. 
uh i agree i think that we'll we'll see we're doomsday right we're that's why we're in security so we'll we'll go with doomsday first um something bad nice. will happen i think that uh I'll, I'll, I'll shorten it up a little bit i think in the next two months as uh black cats around the corner we're probably going to see co-pilots everywhere and it's going to be right it was ai everywhere now it's going to be co-pilots everywhere we're going to see this rapid explosion of co-pilots in everything that everyone does and yeah. i think there's a lot of good uses there because, uh, you know, we make a lot of dumb decisions because we're moving quick um, and co-pilots can help you out with that. Uh, and I, I think that we'll see some some more regulation um, that, that definitely comes. Um, I would like to see the community, uh, you know, invest more into uh, the, the OWASP top 10. I know there's a couple of different frameworks that have been released in the, inside of OWASP top 10 kind of uh, for ML yeah. and, and LLMs. Jump on those. Take a look at them model those back. We've taken them back into stride categories so our developers can use them ourselves. Um, you know, it, it, it push on this. Cool. Right? This is your opportunity. I, I think, I think uh, the next election, I think uh, we're going to see some very interesting yeah. stuff around this as well. About that. Uh, uh, yeah. To, to, to add to, uh, and I'll close it off by saying guys, thanks for joining us. But um, I, I think I'm going to add to Robinson's thought and put a tagline to it, enabling bad decisions at rapid scale. Uh, is because we, we make bad decisions when we move quickly. We're going to make bad, worse decisions by moving quicker with, without fact-checking ourselves because we don't think we will need to. Anyway, well, that's a great place to end up. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being on the show. This has been fun. It's good seeing you guys again, although same place, two different rooms. Uh, Robinson <laughs> clearly got the uh, got the short end of the stick on the bandwidth. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> he, Yeah, he's in the worst part of the house. I should have told him. He literally is like the farthest away from the mesh the the order yeah. you cracked me up yeah all right guys thanks a lot this has been another episode of the Domino security rabbit hole podcast james always interesting discussions and uh, mr robinson mr clark thank you for joining us thanks and that's good for uh, bringing you guys on board and we'll talk to you another time another place on another down the security rabbit hole podcast cue the music and the show is out as we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.